0: Hello guys, this is me, Orsi, and this is another episode of the Café Pulse. I know that you already might think that, oh my God, there is no new episode in this one, but there is, it's just, uh, I needed to, to arrange a couple of things. Again, we are at the York Co-Working Space Studio, so hence the good quality. And uh, it's July, it's quite hot, restrictions are sort of lifted, and I'm sitting here today with Jerze aka Phoenix. And today's topic is going to be a very, very interesting one. We're going to talk about BDSM. So tune in, guys, listen to us and let, us, let let me know how do you feel about the podcast anyway, because this is the 12th episode. We are already one year old, so that's a little celebration. So we're going to have a little celebration or topic as well today. So let me introduce uh, my guest today, Jezze. Hi, Jezze.
1: Hello, hello. I'm from Prague, where you're located. Uh, I'm calling co- the community of BDSM, like 16 years, basically with the same nickname, Phoenix or Phoenix Ter, depending on the outlet or the devices, because some nicknames are just reserved for other people.
0: So as I said, we're going to talk about uh, BDSM, but let's break it down first. So what is BDSM standing for? Uh, in
1: general, the letters, let's say like this, means uh, bondage, discipline. Uh, domination, submission and sadism and masochism that's the general understanding for the public but most people uh, think of BDSM like anything that is not in the let's say acceptable terms of practices for example domination or for example even hard sex is part of the BDSM LGBT plus is also part of BDSM, because anything that is not in the common sense is treated like something sick, and they put it onto BDSM. Mm-hmm. But
0: so when and how was the first time that you encountered this subculture? Uh,
1: when I was 18 with one of my friends, uh, we will try, try to do something funny. So we, uh, one of my other friends was a mistress, because uh, right now I'm a dominant, But my beginnings, let's say like this, were as a submissive. Well, kind of, (laughs) because it it doesn't go well. Uh, In general, there was some basic stuff about what is this, she make an introduction, and we start playing like this. But it was against my nature to be submissive to someone, because I'm, in general, the guy in the control. I take care of everyone, I put people in places... So it was against my nature and uh, I I wasn't feeling well with this. So at some point, uh, second or third uh, meeting, we changed the roles because she was mistress as a dominant person, but uh, she was also okay with switching the roles because she was my friend.
0: And uh, so I suppose that it also works for other people who yes. are trying it, that most of the people... Would you say that most of the people go into BDSM as submissives?
1: Uh, to be honest, it's very, very different because uh, in, in general, there are three types of people in BDSM. Dominant person, are usually taking control, organized stuff, uh, just uh, making someone miserable or happy, just someone who rules. Uh, there's people who want to be dominated, Want to be ruled over, want to be submissive to someone, and there are usually called subs. But there are also a big group of people that are switches. They don't care about what role they uh, do as long as they feel safe and happy. Uh, this is kind of different for female, for example, because in general females tend to dominate on other women and be submissive to guys. Of course, there's a lot of exceptions, but in general, uh, girls like to dominate the uh, other girls as a mm-hmm. alpha female something like this
0: and when someone trying to like let's say experiment with this how how you find such groups because uh, I remember I had a talk with one of my friends. And this is how I, I come like in contact with this whole topic because at one point he just said, oh, yeah, you know, I went to this uh, BDSM part. And I was like, how? <laughs> how you go there? How you have this? Uh... And I think for people like, for example, for me, who's like not involved and not so interested in this, in, in that level, for me, of probably because I'm not looking for it, I can't find it, right? Because you always find things that you are really looking for. But how you know where to look for if you want to, to go to a BDSM party? Uh, right
1: now, it's very easy, because everything can be public. Uh, when I was starting, there was only by friends, talking to friends, or I know this guy, I know this guy. There were some small groups, for example, there was a pub uh, in Krakow uh, called Kazmat, if I could remember. There was a group of people, when I go to my university, they were meeting there with the same interests, let's say like this. Uh, right now, we have Facebook, we have Fed Life, we have Tinder, we have King, there's BDSMPL, there's a lot of uh, portals, places that you can find people with the same interest. So it's very easy right now because uh, like 10 years ago, there was zero parties. There was no place that you can go and meet people with the same interest or with some kinks or fetishes. Right now, every group almost have their own parties with the specific to them, like, for example, food fetishes or uh, shibari by I mean, by ropes. There are also uh, fandom parties, fiendom parties. There's a lot of parties and usually they don't hide right now because people are more openly to this different world, for example, or curious. So you can find it even on Facebook. There are closed groups, there are open groups, a uh, number of like websites that you can log in and find info is, like, amazing. Uh, there is a lot of bloggers. There is, like, podcasts also about uh, this. There are discords. It's growing rapidly right now in the, you know, open media communication, something like this.
0: Do you think that this growing is also because, like, I think BDSM has a big chunk in pop in like in pop culture. Yes. Especially since, like, these Fifty Shades of Grey. Uh, exactly. Uh, I, one of my teachers, we had, like, uh, a comparative literature and movie class. And we talked about this, that basically, what's in that movie, it's it's not really how it is. It's more like a little light cocktail. But I think since then, it's more open, and there are lots of books, lots of movies, lot that it, it's TV shows even. Do you think that it also contributed that now um, this war subculture is more open? Mm,
1: to be honest, at the beginning, before Fifty Shades of Grey, the whole literature part was very, very discouraged to read. It was hard to find anything that is on this topic and most were treated as a hardcore stuff, only by, for example, private auctions on uh, some portals, on websites. Right now it's more into the public, more open because it's getting, after Fifty Shades of Grey came out, some hot wives were interested in the, oh, that's a kinky topic (laughs) and it, it become more popular, it was more accepted, because for community, for example, I went with my friends to the Fifty Shades of Grey, it was a great comedy, really. It, we have a song some good laugh, everyone was like, couples, like, oh my god, it's so interesting, and stuff like this, and we were just laughing the whole movie, because this is, how to say it, It's it's not like soft, it's just for people that inside, it's like a comedy, it's like showing what it's not about. Because there is a there was like a perfect story, perfect guy, perfect girl, and they switched the roles and he was rich, handsome, like a good book, good story. But the reality is way different.
0: Yeah, I think uh, I I haven't read the book, I haven't seen that movie. As I said, I'm not I'm not really interested in this. But I think uh, what is really problematic was like if I would compare these two things, like BDS and real life and in this movie or in this book is that I think in the movie it's more like a toxic relationship because uh, as far as I, I know like when I was preparing for this topic that BDSM or any sort of other kings are based on uh, like mutual respect and com- communication and not like oh yeah I'm going to date you and then I'm gonna beat you up because this is how I roll and uh, I think in that movie, it was a, a, a toxic relationship. I wouldn't say that it was really about the BDSM part.
1: Yeah, this was like a romantic movie with, with a twist. I will say like this, Some, something like this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I have a special room. <laughs> uh, but in, in general, in BDSM, everything is about uh, trust, respect and exchange of power. It can be temporarily, for example, only in bedroom or in the life. And there are also, um, let's say, scales of it, because you can go soft, hard, or extreme. For example, there is like something like gore and patch that are, I, for example, for me, it's the most hardcore because a male, a dominant male, basically take control of a whole life of the female. What you dress, what you eat, when you eat, even if you eat, if he wants to cut your finger, he will do it. And Girl is completely submissive. The guy says you do this, she will do it. She, so there's a, a whole prism of the of this aspect is going from like a spanking, just hard sex for some for example this is already part of BDSM because during the sex someone's wants to spank someone's ass. Or for example, put a hand on the throat. That's already part of the BDSM, for example, like spanking, breath control and stuff like this. That's the soft. To what I was saying, the really hard stuff.
0: And uh, it's going to be like such a bogate question, but what's the point of of this hardcore submission? Like why uh, is it good or like how someone goes into it? Because when we are talking about king and we are talking about sexual life, I think people must thinking about like their bedrooms, right? Like when they are together in at night, let's say in the bedroom. But um, I don't know. For me, it just like I, I don't really get it how it comes when um, it's during the whole day or like even they like, getting married in this way and the whole marriage is uh, based on this. So. Uh, is it healthy or is it uh, like? Let's talk about this because this is something I can't really understand the concept of it. This f- like war submission because I was watching a documentary and um, there was this couple and they lived in a in a marriage like they were like properly married and stuff. But the war marriage was this this complete submission and it was the the girl who who was the dominant one. And the guy was the submiss- submissive one. And everything, everything was like basically all the power, all the control was in the hand of the girl. And uh, for me, hmm, I don't know. It just, I just can't really understand how to live your life around your king in this sense. If you, if you can understand like, uh, what I, I don't understand here. So like, let's talk about this or how, how these people are meet, because I suppose that it also have to be like a perfect match.
1: Yes. Uh, in general, the whole aspect and point of BDSM is being fulfilled and bringing you happiness. Uh, for example, there was an evolution of slavery, but some people are still mentally uh, thinking about being in control and some people want to be controlled. They, they just want to be free. Don't think about, I don't know, going to work, uh, eating, drinking and stuff like this. They want someone to take uh, care of those aspects for them. They, want to be, they don't want to be responsible for their life. They want to be uh, submissive. Other people, for example, uh, feel extreme happiness if they see that other people are happy. So, for example, a spanking session. Someone uh, spanked someone's ass very hard, for example, for bruises and stuff like this. And the whole aspect is not about the pain that it caused, but at the end of the sessions, uh, the master, for example, is coming to you and saying that I'm proud of you because uh, you suffer so much for me. The proud aspect of it. So it's about fulfilling someone internal needs, more like this, that some people love pain because it have a basic aspect of chemistry. Uh, endorphins are... Uh, I have no idea if it's in English also. Uh, but the hormones are released. And some people cut their, their legs and stuff like this. You, you heard about this before the BDSM was popular. Like emo and stuff like this that they cut. The same thing is happening in the BDSM. Pain... Produce hormones, and this uh, creates uh, experience. And uh, for example, you start uh, thinking: pain equals pleasure. So you can change how your brain is working. For example, so you're getting more into the BDSM. Sometimes more kinky, sometimes more hardcore, and depending of your limitations.
0: Mm-hmm. And you said that you are you are more uh, a dominant type.
1: Not. So definitely more dominant, because uh, even switching, uh, for me, it's something that is not okay for me, because uh, I was the oldest one in my family, I was always taking care of the family, so for me, it was natural that I take care of the girls. So, for example, uh, when I was creating parties in Krakow and stuff like this, people were coming to me, for example, newcomers and stuff like this, wants to talk before parties to have someone that they know. Or, for example, on those websites that I mentioned, uh, some random people just want to talk to me, know something more about BDSM and stuff like this. Know who is safe, who is not safe. Because in general, when you're organizing something, people are coming you with the information. You need to process them. And you know that, for example, this guy is dangerous or this, this girl is crazy. So it's you can guide some people with the basic or uh, tell them what to look for or what to uh, be afraid of because as beautiful this world is and can fulfill everyone's dreams, to be honest, it's also the same uh, level of danger. more you're into it, you more discover how beautiful and dangerous at the same time. It's like a wild animal. It can be like beautiful cat, like a cougar. Sometimes when it's full, when it's full, it's beautiful cut. But if you get too close and you risk at the wrong time, you're basically dead.
0: And why would you say that uh, it can be dangerous? Uh,
1: Especially after Fifty Shades of Grey, there was big influx of girls and guys. Mm, In general, girls were more interested in it. And some people, some predators uh, were looking for a Easy sex, something to uh, become like uh, primal, their primal instincts that wants to, you know, uh, take care of their rage and point it on someone and call it BDSM and stuff like this. So, this creates a lot of dangerous situations with this. Uh, That's why many girls were coming without any knowledge how to start, how to prepare yourself, or how to step very carefully at the beginning, especially. For example, on starting from meetings, calls, private information, and uh, especially parties and stuff like this. They just fully dive into it without any knowledge. And safety is, for most people, is top one priority if you're talking about the BDSM. That's the prime thing that you need to take care of, that you're responsible for your own safety. If you're doing it right, it will be a beautiful experience. But if you go too deep without any seatbelts or stuff like this, it can get very dangerous if you're unlucky.
0: Uh, have you have you ever experienced something like this, that you ended up uh, in a situation where you were like seeing that someone is getting into a very techy situation?
1: Uh, very often, to be honest. Because I was organizing parties so... I experience physically how someone was abusive to someone like someone was not taking control of their emotions I hear hundreds of stories on someone's abusive toxic or sometimes even uh, taking want to blackmail someone for example there's uh, many very bad relationships that I hear about even know people that in general two sides of the story it's very, very hard. There is a lot of rapes, for example, uh, because someone is too uh, too trusty, so they go into the lair of the predator, for example. So it's, it's really, really nice because it, you can experience so many different things, but you need to think. That's, that's the most important thing, that people are jumping without thinking. That's the main reason that accidents happen.
0: And uh, when you organize a party and you are like this war group experiencing that like the situation is getting a bit weird. Is there any way that uh like some other people can interfere with it or like yes. make it stop? Uh, or
1: I was just telling people get out. Or for example, if someone was dangerous, uh after the party, um in general, people talk. So we talk that this guy is dangerous, be careful and stuff like this. There are forums that some people write something about other persons. But because of other aspects of it, someone just changed the nickname. Maybe it's already a new person. Someone, for example, comes to my parties in Krakow and he's banned from them. So he goes to the Warsaw or Lublin. There, there is no repercussion. For example, uh, very, for me, stupid. Uh, I know a guy who raped a girl. She, more girls to be honest after I discover uh, I make a fuss about it and after sometimes his friends let's say like this promote him still because they're, they're friends they don't care about the girls because it was her fault she was too provocative it's like in Arabic cultures for mm-hmm. example girl was too provocative throw the stone at her it's the same like here so it's very dangerous because you can hear about two sides of the story and you need to decide for yourself what is right. So, for example, is when guy admits to like four or five rapes and no one reports it to the police because in Poland the police is kind of sucky about being uh, rape victims and stuff like this, and people don't want to feel uh, as a victim until they report it to the police. They want to feel it only has a bad experience, never reported, and stuff like this. Yeah,
0: because if you would report it, then it, it would become, like, sort of real. Yeah, exactly.
1: Mm-hmm. It, that, that's the, for example, from this guy, I hear, like, four stories from a girl I know that he was abusive to them. They never contact him again, but it was enough. And he's still promoted in the culture. hmm Community,
0: because I suppose that also in some constant, it's very important. Yes, that uh, like because I also in this documentary that I was watching, there were like some girls that they have this like rape fantasies. So I think when someone is a predator, it's easy to play out this card as well. That uh, oh, this was the whole fantasy about it, but probably if he was the other person, maybe the other person wouldn't say that it was like such a fun experience. So how to, to differentiate, like, the fantasy, the being dominant, and when to, f- like, I suppose that when you have an intimate relationship with someone, you kind of feel if the other person is feeling comfortable or not. But where is the limit? How to, to push limits and boundaries without pushing them too much? Uh,
1: about the rape, that's a very interesting stuff, because at some point there was a a lot of people that have a rape fantasy. Girls usually have a lot of rape fantasies, for example, like one guy, two guys, that they don't know much or stuff like this. In uh, general, if you know those people, you don't feel so excited about this Because, you know, for example, this guy, he's your friend and stuff like this. There's less emotions. So, they risk doing it with some random guys. Uh, In general, you should have something like the safe word. It's for most people, it's very funny because if you uh, have a, for example, long history, you don't use it because you know when no means no. But at the beginning of the relationship, it's uh, good to say some boundaries. That, for example, rape. That you can scream, no, help me, and stuff like this. And no one will stop until you say the safe word. Safe word means no, we are ending everything. So you need to find pe- people who will respect the safe word. Or even if they don't propose it, for me, that's a red light. Okay, he wants to do it like a rape fantasy, but he don't say the safe word. Safe word is basically the at the beginning of the relationship. That's the something that should make you more secure, that you have the way out always. So if you're, for example, tied with the ropes, unable to move, So you have the safe word. That's even stop. I mean seriously, no, not like no, please don't do it. That's that's the boundary. And some people have also soft limits and hard limits. That's very important because soft limits are boundaries that you want to cross but don't know. But with right person, you can you can go over it. That's not a problem. But with Trust and with the right person. And there are also hard limits. Stuff that you don't do. For example, for me, hard limit is a scat. I don't want to play with the shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that's for, for me. For example, it's a hard limit. I, I don't feel like it. But for example, for other persons, it's like uh, bruises or uh, some skin or some cuts. Different persons have a different limits. In general, hard limits usually don't change over the time because no is a no. It rarely happens that you change your hard limits, but soft limits are very flexible.
0: And uh, let's talk now about relationships because uh, when you start to date with someone, as one, are you dating just with people who are into BDSM or or you date with different people? Like how it goes when you when you have a partner.
1: Well, that's a very interesting topic. And to be honest, to get deeply in it, this will take some time because there's a lot of very happy couples in BDSM with different aspects, with power exchange or open relationships, uh, depending on the couple. But there is a generally one rule that is very common. If you into BDSM, you like it, you feel it, and you go into the vanilla relationships. It's been without any BDSM aspects that is generally the term that people use. Vanilla is like normal sex, like uh, under the blanket and stuff like this. Classic, let's say like this. (laughs) Vanilla sex. Yeah, that's how it's called (laughs) in general. If you say someone in (laughs) vanilla sex, everyone, okay, it's a classic, so... It's
0: like a a traditional relationship.
1: Yes, traditional relationship. So in general... People that are into vanilla sex uh, don't usually go to the BDSM. But the other way around is very hard. uh, Because if you feel the BDSM, feel the need, for example, for pain, submission, humiliation, and stuff like this, it's extremely hard to go to the vanilla, normal vanilla relationship, like husband, kids, without any BDSM hard stuff. I know, to be honest, around 100 or more girls that were trying to go out. But it was for them impossible. It ended up as a breaking relationships, cheating, or uh, talking with the husband that, for example, they need some open relationship. That for example she's going to a dominant man without sex. But for example, to be spanked and stuff like this, because he don't feels, feel it. He won't hit her, spank her, anything like this, but he loves. And she loves him. It rarely happens to men because for some reason, men can do everything for sex. <laughs> That's the general rule. But girls want to be fulfilled more. So it's easier for them to focus on, on the family and stuff like this. But the back of their head, there'll be some scratching that I need this fulfillment. Sometimes it takes a year, two, five. But in general, they return a lot.
0: So I suppose then when you are dating, you are so mostly looking for partners for, from this group.
1: Yes, uh, in general, there are some uh, aspects of these relationships that, in normal relationship, I don't feel fulfilled and I don't like this feeling. So to not disappoint someone that is, for example, in uh, about me, once interested in me, I generally talk about third, second date. Like for example, like little bit more. Not I'm not talking about I need to go full hardcore on them or not. But <laughs> some some aspects are for me important. For example, uh, to bring a role to me, I'll, I'm like a hedonist. I like to be fulfilled, feel fulfilled. But it differs from person to person, uh, and from the relationship to relationship. For example, in one girl, I prefer to be spanking. For example. With other girl, I prefer to torture. It It's for me, for example, because for most of the people, they stick to their fetishes. But there's a group of the people that, that can fluctuate between fetishes depending on their partner and, and kind of person. So it's hard to describe a uh, general role. So, for example, uh, my role will be dis- disciplinarian.
0: Mm-hmm. And what does it mean, the disciplinary and role? Well,
1: it's very general role that uh, I bring discipline, rule, uh, I teach, for example, also, I'm, I like talking about stuff, and also uh, I uh, make the boundaries that someone needs to respect, for example. So in general, I will say that I love to take control of uh, aspects, some aspects, of course, of the life, depending... If it's only in bedroom, or or more for extended life or something like this,
0: and I suppose you are also very open about this because uh, first of all, uh, it was very easy to to talk about like what we would like to talk about it in this podcast. Like I think there was not really any limit. Uh, so I suppose also your friends and you mentioned that maybe your family also knows that you're yes. into BDSM. How you bring up such a conversation? Oh, how uh, it how it comes up?
1: Uh, normally, I. Uh, Depending on the family. I have a very open-minded family. Uh, for example, uh, my family thinks if I make a baby, okay, we'll take care of it, don't worry about it. Uh, they're very open-minded people. Not everyone, because I know a lot of people that if they say, for example, their mother or father or friends and everything, they will feel of him and look with the disgust, for example. I know people that come out everywhere and were how you call it, kicked out of their family. I forget the word in English. Mm, And it happens sometimes. So a lot of people prefer to be secretive about it, about their second life. And for example, uh, companies. I have my own company, so I'm secured financially. But for example, if you're working for a corporation, they check your Facebook, they check your groups, they're looking for you on social media and stuff like this. If it seems a little bit extreme, you won't get the job. Or for example, there is a lot of lawyers, doctors and stuff like this in the BDSM. Because BDSM is also not a cheap sport. Basic stuff, it's general cheap because you need only hand, for example, mm-hmm. or some dildo and stuff like this. But to go more kinky, more specific, more money is involved. So there is like lawyers, people on the, with the position, politicians and stuff like this, um, that are afraid of the identity. That's why when I was bringing my name my nickname in general part of the safety that some people use they re, their nickname for example you, you never will hear the oh i'm Yezu and stuff like this in generally you will think that this is a fake name not many people bring their real name and in general they use phoenixter like 90% of the people in the community don't know my real name I told them my real name, but they don't remember. They know me, for example, as a Phoenix Terror or Phoenix. That's basically all.
0: What do you think? What are the most popular fetishes
1: now? Oh, Jesus. That that will be...
0: Because we already talked a bit about this and that. So, like, uh, what like here in, in Krakow, for example, what would you say? Because you organize this party, so you more or less maybe have a more perspective on it. What do mm. you think? What are the most common things?
1: Right now... Basically, well, let's say that it happens every few years that the new topics pop up and they become the mainstream. Right now we're in the bondage sub, uh, and ropes. So tying a partner, workshops, and now everyone is milking this subject, for example. Very expensive workshops and stuff. Everyone wants to earn money from it. So that's the main topic right now in Krakow. Uh, there is also other community like Food Fetishists that... To be honest, it's expanding very fast. Guys who adore women's feet. It's becoming... I'm amazed how many people are into it because uh, when I'm talking about people and stuff, oh, I like feet and stuff like this. And, and it's more and more and more people. It's cheap, it's easy accessible, and it's becoming more and more common because it's like basic stuff. I don't understand this fetish, uh, to be honest. I was thinking about... What's so interesting? I was talking with many of my friends and okay, I understand you like it, but I, I just don't feel it like this.
0: Actually, maybe I can answer this question because uh, I, I watched this very interesting documentary about it that uh, when someone has uh, a very like, unusual fetish, for example, food fetish, it's coming from from the very, very like tiny, tiny baby age because when you are on your feet and you know you're just like curling around. That's like one thing that you can see. And everything that you see, that's the first time that you see it. And it can happen that you fell in love with something that you saw on that age. And of course, when you are a baby and you are crying around, you see what you see from a person. You see, see just the feet. Mm, because it. you are a baby, you are on that level. And for some people, it's such a significant memory that they fell in love with this image. They fell in love with, the, with, with people's food. Basically. Okay. I never
1: look when I was a baby. I would never see a big boobs, and <laughs> that would be interesting. Because <laughs> no,
0: no, no. You, 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 you saw. You saw because you, you, like your mom was breastfeeding. You know.
1: Yeah, but not not the size that I'm interested in.
0: <laughs> so yeah, as I said, this this episode is is a very interesting episode. Now we are just talking about like you know tits and stuff. Uh, so, but I hope that you are still following us. I hope that you find it. Uh, as interesting as we do, I think it's an interesting topic. So we go on a quick break and then we're going to come back. So be brave and stay with us. So we are back and um, we are still talking with Phoenix about BDSM. I have to say this topic is very new for me as well. Uh, I just thought that maybe for you guys it could be interesting to have something not so usual since we are one years old. And I do like an interesting topic. So we are still here. We are still talking about BDSM. And uh, we just decided that we're going to talk about safety. Because when we are talking about or when we see these movies, even in, in like comedy, that...
1: Uh, Bonding bondage. Bandage, it like, was very nice movie to be honest. The like
0: with, with these with these uh, movies and aspects, like I think everybody thinks like, oh, you go out on a date and then you end up in a in a BDSM setup, and of course, probably, probably it's not like this. But now Finn is going to tell us how how it is, how to be safe when you don't want to be safe.
1: Oh, to be honest, that's. The most important thing that you need to take care of yourself because no one else will do it from the beginning, for example. After you build some relationship, you can give the reins to other person, but at the beginning you need own your own safety because there is a lot of cycles everywhere in normal life and in the BDSM especially that they can blame it. Oh, it was a moment, it was only for some fun and stuff like this that you agreed on. Uh, So, let's start from the safety reason. Before you go to date someone, you should check the profile of this person, because some people put uh, some fake photos, for example, stolen photos. There is like, you don't need to do a lot of investigation. but If you see a person with no friends, no one, if their community or circles depending on the portal, for example, most people use FetLife. It's a great community. It's more like a forum, not a dating site. So it's easier to get there without being spammed by hundreds of hundreds of horny men. So that's, for me, example, is a perfect place to start. Uh, and start out creating your profile, reading, joining local groups and stuff like this, looking for a parties, Not to start with single meetings and stuff like this. It's for some people, it's easier to go to the small group, for example, one person face-to-face. But the safest solution is to go to the parties because you can see how people interact with one another. That, for example, oh, this guy is known. So, for example, I can talk with him because he seems legit safe because he has many friends. Nobody will be friends with the psycho, for example, <laughs> stuff like this. Uh, but if we're talking about a dating, uh, first of all, Uh, you need to tell someone before you go to date like this. So find a person that will know where you will be, when you will be. And if you change the location, you will send them, for example, SMS. Or when you end up at the meeting, you tell them, okay, I'm coming home from this place or stuff like this. This is the basic that you need to take care of. Never go alone without anyone knowledge. To be honest, sometimes it's hard because you are in the new place, new city, and stuff like this. So, in general, you leave the marks on your uh, profile or on your even email. Email you send your, uh, yourself an email with who you are and when. So, if something really bad happened, you will have a trace. For example, police and stuff like this uh, about your identity because. In, uh, in general, for example, if you're using Tinder and stuff like this, happens that people want to exploit you, blackmail you, and stuff like this. So at the beginning, my proposition is don't use your real nickname. Or don't uh, link your normal profile, for example, from Facebook, to your King account. Don't share the same photos, for example, with the same profile. Just make some other. For the starters, you can also don't put any face photos. The, for example, from never show your face. That's also the, at the beginning, if you are a fresh person, unknown. Uh, most people generally use nicknames or fake names. You never know. Uh, so that's also the safety of your personal life. Because it happens a lot that, for example, someone finds out that you're uh, the, like executive in some company and then start blackmailing you that, Oh, they will send the photos to your boss and stuff like this. So, privacy at the beginning of a relationship. Usually, I will say that, uh, like, two, three meetings, you can be more openly about your life, for example. You can say in general what you're doing, but don't tell no one specifics at the beginning of the relationship. It's, it's not safe. If you're in the more kinky stuff, for example... Uh, Know your partner before you give him the reins, the full control. Because it sometimes happens that you want to, I don't know, second date, we meet in the hotel, and you want to be spunked really hard. But hard for someone and hard for you, it's way, way different. The, for example, for you, it can be like little bit marks and stuff like this. For other ones, your ass will be bloody as hell. So talk before you act. In general, at the beginning of a relationship, the submissive have the control. You're telling what he's allowed, what limits, talk about your limits. What is your safe place? What is your limit? For example, I don't want to have, uh, I don't have, a, uh, I'm okay with the bruises, but I'm not okay with the cuts. So that's your limit. Don't cut my ass, for example. And if we're talking about uh, orgies and stuff like this, because it, this is also swingers and orgies, is also a big part of BDSM. Uh, depending how many partners, or for example, very known Glory Hall, uh, it's a anonymous sex and sperm donors and stuff like this, it's very important to always uh, take condoms and stuff like this. Never do, the, do it wrong, because... There was an aspect that one couple, for fun, they were infecting people in the fetish community. So you never know uh, who are you meeting. So be safe and be smart.
0: And uh, if you would like to, to summarize BDSM, like what does it mean for you? How would you do it? How would you summarize it in a couple of words? Mm. Well, why why would people should try it? For example,
1: it's a life with uh, infinite. uh, It's a life without any limitations. It's a life that have so big horizons that you can be whoever you want to be. You can be treated as a, for example, slut, or you can be treated as a king of the world. Everything is possible.
0: And uh, I just an idea, like a question. Do you think that BDSM is for everyone? Because uh, when I I talked to you for the first time about that, I would like to do this interview, you said that there are lots of things that people would not consider as BDSM, but it actually is.
1: No, it's not for everyone. But there is like millions of people that do BDSM without knowing that it, it is BDSM. I meet a lot of people that, for example, were doing BDSM for years and years. For example, spanking, hardcore, fisting, uh, plays and stuff like this. But they never put a name to those practices. They just want to do it. And they come up at some point in their life that's, oh, God, this is BDSM. I was into BDSM like 10 years and I didn't even know that this exists. So the, they never look for it. They just want to do it and stuff like this. And there is a group of people that look at you with the disgust. So, if you feel like normal vanilla sex is for you, you're completely uh, satisfied with the raw sex, with with one partner, for example, without any additional toys and stuff like this. You're satisfied. Don't try because you can ruin your, your life. You will become more interested in some kinky stuff and you will lose interest in some vanilla stuff that it's easier to find a
0: partner. When you say when you say that lots of people like there are some people that might look at BDSM community as like some sort of disgust, but I think I also would have not just disgust but just as a as a parody, just because there are so many movies and so many. So how the community feels about um, these movies, for example? Uh,
1: for example. Fifty Shades of Grey is treated as a good comedy mm-hmm. in general. Uh, Bonding is more interesting, this Netflix series, because you can see some aspects in some funny situations, mm-hmm. but those are really real situations that uh, I was reading the article about the scriptwriter about this show and he makes a lot of interviews with a lot of people up from the communities around the world to prepare for making this. So those are, in general, life experience with some comedy aspect. So to be honest, I would prefer to watch Bonding or to advise you to watch Bonding than watching Fifty Shades of Grey. And in general, you can start. For example, there is a FinDom like uh, female dominating other men's for money. That's extremely popular right now because there is a lot uh, more uh, submissive men and not many mistresses. So they milk the guys. It's normal aspect. If there is a uh, people that want to eat some product and there is not a lot of them, they can make money. And some girls are living like 20, 50,000 a month, for example, from Fimdom only. They have money slaves and stuff like this. And for example, there was other aspect of the studios, as a part of prostitution. Uh, there was a, if I could remember, there was a marriage that the guy wants to be dominated and the wife wants to be dominant. So there is a lot of aspects that you can discover by looking at this series that are funny, but in real life they have the same aspect.
0: And also, I think what is really interesting that also in, in this, because I also saw that, uh, that Netflix show, and it was, it was fun. It was a uh, very interesting moment. I think uh, when we are talking about kings and we are talking about any sort of like sexual situation, it's very important to, to, to make people understand that um, between the partners there is like mutual respect and, and consent. Uh, because when i was looking watching at this documentary and there was this uh, couple and they were together since like i don't know 10 years 12 years and they were like really doing it and when they were talking about the relationship and it was very interesting for me because uh, until that point i also looked at this situation there are like people who likes to be beaten up and that's it like i don't know it just seems weird but when they were talking about the relationship they talked about each other with such respect and like really with such love that it was like okay so maybe there is like more in it and Mm. uh, more of like you know proper communication and like really talk about who wants what or how they would proceed in the relationship and I think uh, with such movies as for example the sixties shades of 50-50, not 50, 60, 50, 50. 50 shades. So I just give 10 more to it. So 50 shades of grey that um, I think it gives this false impression that there is no need for consent. There is no need for communication. It's just like if someone is the dominant, then the submissive one is going to be completely like submiss. And I think it's um, it's 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 not like a good picture to have. Because it's not healthy. And as you said, BDSM is not just about control and power, but also to, to have this fulfillment.
1: To be honest, the best solution and answer to this question is to meet the community. Uh, the community, there are thousands of fetishes, really. And they're becoming, uh, every day you can get a new fetishes on the list. For example, in FetLife, f- there are a few thousand fetishes that you can choose from. You, what you're interested in, and the community is extremely um, how do you say it uh, accepting. They will accept you. They will not criticize you. They will accept you, respect you until you fucked up. You, in general, uh, but there are communities extremely accepting. They won't criticize, for example, that you have some strange fetishes, or they won't accept you because you are uh, thinking something different. No. They will respect you on the whole way if you meet the people. They will not criticize you. They will talk about you with the interest and you can meet people with the same fetishes and exchange experiences. It's very open-minded community, for example. No one will try to do you any harm. They will, in general, try to help you. For example, oh, I, I know the guy who is interested in the same thing. I'll introduce you to him later on stuff like this. Or give you the address, go there and talk with this guy. He's great in this stuff. He can explain as a new person. He will explain you some basic rules, how to do it safely. For example, couples. I have already few experiences with their couples that want to start because they were just leaking the surface, but they want to do something more. And people told them, talk to me. And they, they were just talking with me and I was explaining them some basic stuff. They already have the respect for each other, but they want to do some power exchange in the bedroom, for example. And internal couples are usually switches or open relationships, and they want to make some spice up the things. So, the biggest plus and the biggest, let's say, mm, the most interesting thing is the community. Uh, it's so open-minded that it's really, really amazing for some people. They don't believe it because in, when you're hitting the wall, for example, talking about sex in real life, in, on the street with your friends, they don't look like you. <laughs> you're pretty sane, for example. They look at, you, look at you differently. You know that they're probably thinking some bad stuff or criticizing you and stuff like this. Here, you don't feel it. You feel like you accept it. You feel that you are understood and everyone wants to help you improve or get to know more about what you're more kinky. Or they just expand your horizons. For example, oh, you're into exhibitionists, for example. Do you know there's a nudist beach next to our town? Or, for example, there's a nudist conference or there's a, a place that you can go on top of the building and you can be completely naked and look at the people downstairs and they don't know that you are naked and stuff like this. There's a lot of places like this that they can expand your horizons and do it in a controlled way without fearing that you we, we will not be understood, understand that no one will harm you, for example, for your opinion.
0: And talking about community, you said that there are some some workshops and I... Also, so that, like, indeed, there are many workshops, especially with these uh, bondage things. So how how we should imagine such a workshop? Like, I suppose they, uh, like, put it on Facebook that there will be a workshop. And, like, it's also a very strong sense of community then, because oh, workshops yeah. are usually about the community. But how, how, one, organizing a workshop on how to, to be tied together like an Easter um,
1: To be honest, it's different from town to town. Uh, if you go from one party or one workshop from one town to another town, uh, people in different, town to, uh, uh, different parts of the Poland are interested in different kings. Uh, currently, the Kraków is the center of the bandage and ropes and stuff like this. Uh, I stopped doing parties because I had my other things to do uh, and the market was open so right now the full bondage community come together and in general 90% of the parties is just bondage people have enough of it so they are starting to look for alternatives in different towns uh, but about the workshops uh, there are basically levels like depending on your experience from basic how to uh, tie uh, knots, basic, how to do it safely, not harm someone's uh, circuli- circular system, circularity. circularity systems, nerves and stuff like this, because you need to do it safely, because you can harm someone very, very badly if you do it wrong. So the safety is first aspect. Then you start basing uh, knots that you need to practice. You need to practice in your free time a lot. In general, those workshops are like one day or two days. In general, uh, and then there you can expand, for example, to sadistic uh, bondage or uh, to suspension that you can make other people think that they are flying. For example, they forget that in the ropes and they just flow on the in the air. Or there are for example uh, ground floor work workshops that you tie them as hard as they can so they want to move and then abuse them use them, whatever you want to do so there's spectrum that you need to basically make a standard and then expand in the way that you want to do and it, right now it costs money, like four years ago there was like 200 slots for a one day workshops, now it's like 500 <laughs> 600, because there is not many people that, uh, that there is a lot of people that want to learn and you know
0: and because we are slowly finishing this podcast, what would you say to people who listen to this podcast? Now they had like a little introduction, let's say. What would you say for the future generation of BDSM? This was a big, a big sentence. Well, finish. Yes.
1: Uh, future of the BDSM. To be honest, that's ever-expanding world. Uh, if you start now, you can... Find the world, for example, you will stay in the one month, but in you co- when you come back uh, in the one year, it will be a completely different world with much more to offer for you, for example. You don't find anything interesting right now. In one year, this will be bigger, there will be more people, and it will be more interesting for you. So if you have a fantasy, that's the world for you because you can create your own fantasy and fulfill your own fantasies in this world with safety.
0: And I suppose that if if uh, there is like the right community for it, then it can also help on, on the shame aspect because maybe lots of people have some fantasies, but they are even ashamed of it.
1: Oh, that's, that's a very good uh, aspect of this community because uh, in general, a lot of people talk to me, for example, like you, uh, that they don't know how to approach, for example, they're interested in one thing, but they don't know how to start who to talk to about, or what party to, to go to expand, and they're afraid of being criticized by, by, their, by their family, friends, and stuff like this. So it's very good to start talking with some community uh, people, like uh, on the forums and stuff like You can get them, for example, if you look at owners of the forum, of the groups, that are usually people that are well-known in the communities. Organizers of the parties, there are public people. They sometimes don't have a lot of time, but they can guide you to who to talk to about. Or you can get into the groups uh, that are specific. For example, on this fat life, there are groups. For example, uh, I don't know, big tits, anal slats, uh, spanking, f- food fetish. You can join those groups and talk anonymously with the people. Get some knowledge read what they write about this fetishy to get new perspective, new experiences.
0: All right. Thank you very much for this uh, this interview. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, guys, I hope that you enjoyed this episode. Don't forget that having sex is all fun, but always make sure that there is consent and safety in it. And if you like the podcast, let me know, because as I said before, we are one year old. So subscribe, follow, let, let me influence you. Let me be an influencer. Thank you, Phoenix, and see you guys in the next month. Bye.